You may have heard on RNZ News today about how hundreds of thousands of KiwiSaver members in government-appointed default schemes may be unknowingly investing in companies making cluster bombs and anti-personnel mines. At least five of the nine default KiwiSaver providers invested in these types of companies, despite them being banned by government agencies like the New Zealand Superfund and ACC. So how can KiwiSavers, uncomfortable with this, ensure their money is only invested in ethical funds? Personal finance expert Mary Holm with us to talk about ethical investment. Hello, Mary. Hello, Jim. Nice to talk with you again. Yes, it's been a while, hasn't it? It has been a while. It's usually Jesse you have an attitude these days, but it's me to date. Can I ask you a blunt question first? Do, do, do most people care? I mean, not that they don't care about anti-personnel mines and, that, and such, but they don't have to be confronted about this, do they, in their investments? And I wonder if most of them want to be. Look, it's been surprising how few people have taken up so-called ethical investing in KiwiSaver. It's, there have been some options there from the word go, and I've written about them, and, but the providers, have, and some of them have even closed their ethical funds down because there were just ah. so few people involved. So it's interesting. I think the story being released this morning will get a lot more people thinking about it. So I had another topic to talk about today, which we'll get to, I hope, but um, I, I just thought firstly it might be an idea to give people a some guidance as to how to find a so-called ethical fund if that's what they want to do in KiwiSaver. Good idea. Yeah. So So, how do they do that? Well, first of all, they're not always... Sometimes they're called ethical funds and sometimes they're called sustainable and sometimes they're called socially responsible. And as these names suggest, they've, they've got slightly different slants on them, you know, quite often. The oldest ethical funds tended to avoid... Alcohol, tobacco, pornography, armaments, that sort of thing. Some of them now are more inclined to avoid companies that are environmentally difficult or um, perhaps treat their employees badly. There's a whole lot of different criteria out there. And some of the, some of the ethical funds make a point of they just avoid the really bad companies. You know, they invest in all the rest. Some of the others only invest in particularly good companies, if you know what I mean. So people might want to to think a bit, you know, to do a little bit of research on on the angle of, of, of a fund they're looking at. But I just wanted to say right at this stage, if people... In, in a couple of minutes, I'll list the companies that are offering ethical KiwiSaver funds. Wanted to talk a bit more about the whole general idea first, but people might want to get a pen and pencil, pencil handy if they um, want to write down who's offering them. All right, good idea. Do the only really good funds, like we'll only invest in really good companies, do they make money? They tend to do about equally as well as other funds, you know, okay. As general funds. And last time I talked about this on Radio New Zealand back in November, I got a bit of a, an angry email from a man who's an expert in this area, and he said, no, no, we ethical funds actually do better than others. I think we'd probably find that there are people on the other side of the fence who would say that's not necessarily true. But let's just say this, you, you're probably not going to sacrifice returns by okay. going with, it, with an ethical sort of fund. Can I ask you one other question? Is it a bit like free-range eggs that um, aren't in the end free-range eggs? If a company has a socially responsible, in inverted commas, sort of fund, do you actually know that they're avoiding all the things you don't, <laughs> don't no, want? To? Uh, you know, 
some of the funds, when they're selecting which companies to invest in, I guess, you know, especially internationally, they look at them pretty closely. But, it, you know, we can't be certain that every last little practice of everybody in the company is perfect, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I suppose it, it, it must vary, Jim, as to how, how well they're monitored. But but broadly speaking, if you're going to go into one of these funds, you'll pr- you should be avoiding the really sort of ghastly products, and um, it's kind of, kind of probably a bit of an approximation at times, I think. Yeah, but it, um, one other point to make about this is if someone's in just an ordinary KiwiSaver fund and they're thinking they'd like to change to an, an ethical one, watch the risk level you're going into because... Some of the some of the ethical funds invest only in shares, and therefore they're quite a high risk fund. You know, they're going to be more volatile sort of returns. And if you're someone who can't cope with that, you want to check out that you you know that you're getting one at the right risk level for you. Yeah. If you use the KiwiSaver Fund Finder, which is on the Sorted.org.nz website, they will tell you what risk level the different funds are at. Or, or the main thing is you first go onto that and work out what's the right risk level for you. There's a, there's a you know, little calculator thing there where you click it. You only have to answer a few questions. And it tells you roughly what sort of risk level is the right one for you. And then, and then I would suggest you go and look for ethical funds at that risk level. All so right. You don't want to suddenly be going into either a much riskier fund than is right for you or a more conservative one. You know, so young people are probably better off in higher risk funds because they tend to grow more over the long term. And yes. So, yeah, so watch your risk level there. Okay, now people have got their pens and papers ready. <laughs> yes, very good. So so the providers that, that I found when I was searching through this morning that do offer funds of this type are Craig's, or Craig's Investment Partners, their, their full name is, and Grosvenor, and One Answer, that's all one word, and that's run by ANZ, but it's O-N-E, capital A-N-S-W-E-R, or Super Life, they're the four providers that are offering generally to everybody offering ethical funds. There's also a KiwiSaver provider called Koinonia, which is spelled K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A, mm. and they, um, I think they're run by the Anglican Church, and they um, want you to say that you're Christian if you sign up for their fund. So they've got their their funds are all ethical, but you know, you're expected to have a certain religion. To, to You've got God on your side then, though, Mary. That's right, you have, Jim. Yeah. And similarly, there's one called Amana, A-M-A-N-A-H, which is for Muslims. That's a New Zealand ah. KiwiSaver fund set up specifically for Muslims, so oh, they invest only in ways that are okay within that religion. So, But but the four main ones, the Craig's, Grove, and a One Answer, and Superlife will be the ones that are suitable for everybody, basically. Just quickly before we get on to the topic you want us to get on to, I noticed in our report today, Mercer and Fisher Funds didn't respond to requests for information about their investments, and that may just have been that they didn't get the email in time or whatever. But should your fund, whoever you are with, tell you everything about the investments they have? I think they should. You know, I think... I was talking to Anusha Bradley, who did the report, uh, about this, and I think it's probably unreasonable to expect them to sort of have updates every day. See, a lot of these funds invest in a big internationally run share fund to get their international shares, and those big funds 
might change your investments on a daily basis and you can't really expect your New Zealand KiwiSaver provider to be on top of that minute by minute sort of thing. But I think certainly, you know, every month or two they should be um, issuing a list of the companies they invest in. The, the, the truth of the matter is that some of those investments in those default funds will be tiny. You know, it'll be an inch of a percent of the total fund that's in some of these companies. Um, so that's where, that's why there's probably a bit of a problem getting information to people. But nonetheless, I think the KiwiSaver providers should do the best they can to give people at least an indication of broadly of the sort of companies they're in. Now, you received an email after your segment on investment with Jesse two weeks ago. Actually, it was back in June. It was, yeah, a little while or, yeah. or even more weeks ago <laughs> that, that you, you want to talk about. So I'll read the email. Who would you take share market advice from? Mary Holm, who by her own admission never invests in shares, or Warren Buffett, the world's greatest investor? Well, I'd go with Mary, who once said, only when the tide goes out do you discover who's been swimming naked. Or is that Warren? <laughs> you just like the naked swimming, don't you? That's right. Her advice, um, the email continues, her, uh, Mary's advice to forget about company fundamentals surely takes the cake. Buffett never invests in a company unless he understands its fundamentals. He spent his life studying companies and their markets with obvious and phenomenal success. Mary's dartboard approach to choosing shares is dangerous. So, um, Brian Smith, goes on in a similar vein and he's grumpy at you, Mary. So what is your response to this? Yes, and um, my first response is that he, where he says, I, by my own admission, I never invest in shares. I do invest in shares. I just don't invest in them directly. I don't go out and buy shares in, in Fletcher Building or something like that. Instead, I, have, I put my money into funds, which in turn invest in a wide range of shares. And I've been doing that since the 1970s, and the vast bulk of my retirement savings has always been in, in share funds. So the, the reason I go into the funds is to get a much wider range of shares than, you know, if you're buying individual companies. And also they kind of manage the whole uh, dividends and all of that for you. You pay a fee for that, but nonetheless, it's still, to my way of thinking, for most people, unless you've got at least $100,000, it's better to invest directly, uh, invest in a fund, such as a KiwiSaver fund or, you know, there are other similar non-KiwiSaver funds around. But Why 100K? Why not 10K that you've saved up and think? Yeah, just because it's not enough money to... There are sort of minimal parcels that are, of shares that are worth buying. You know, by the time you pay minimum brokerage and that sort of thing to, to buy a parcel of shares, if you go and buy $100 worth of shares, the brokerage will be, I don't know, a ridiculous amount of that, you know, yeah. 30 or $40 or whatever. Um, so if you, to, to get parcels that are worth having, you really need, and, and I want you to have at least 10 different shares to get a spread, because otherwise it's quite risky if one company goes belly up, you know, um, you, that'll, that'll hurt you too much if you don't own at least at least 10 shares. So you really need, I mean, roughly 100,000 to get that sort of spread. That's that's what I'm getting at. And I think people's, you know, purposes are served very well if they've got less than that by putting it in, into a share fund. And, and if you've got more for that matter. But 
just moving on to Warren Buffett, look, it would be fantastic if we could get him on. This, this man, Brian Smith, says, you know, we should have him on talking about shares, and wouldn't that be <laughs> he's, he's the world's third richest person. And, he's, um, and, and, and Brian's absolutely right. He does look at the fundamentals of companies. He looks at, at um, what's good and what's bad about a company. And the trouble is ordinary investors can't do as well as Warren Buffett does. Yeah. You know, I mean, he is the best in the world, and so for amateur investors, especially, it's it's um, too difficult to to do as well as he does. Um, I'm just looking at the time; we're running out of time here, aren't we, to to explain why and <laughs> in any depth. We, I suppose we are, but I can tell you what amateur investors do because you hear them talk about it. They say things like, "I just go by the price to earnings ratio." They say things like that, don't yes, they? Yes, they do. And I would say to them. Look, do that and you'll probably do fairly well because nearly all investors and shares do do fairly well, especially if you do it over the long term. Over the short term, there's quite a big chance the market will plunge. But if you've got a 10-year horizon or more, nearly everyone does do well, but you probably won't do better than than a, a, a share fund. You know, you'll um, as an amateur, you're behind the eight ball. You're not getting in when, when information's first released about a share. And yeah. so the, the professionals get in then, and they'll buy a share when the information's first been released before the herd gets in and pushes the price up. By the time you or I were to get in, Jim, which might only be 10 minutes later, you know, but it would probably quite often a day later or something, the price has been pushed up by the professionals. And so we're buying it at an expensive price. And so it might be a good company. It's made some, you know, good announcements. But if we're paying too much money for it, it's not going to end up being a good investment for us. Mary Holm, I know you didn't get everything said about that topic, that uh, about index funds and such that you w- wanted to, but I think you've given us a clear general picture. Yes, and, uh, and we can do some more on it next week, actually. Indeed. Well, I mean, next fortnight, two weeks from now, we can pick it up again. When it'll be Jesse again. Nice to talk to you, though, Mary. You too, Jim. Yes, thanks.